Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Go check out Morbidly Beautiful right now for all your horror content needs from interviews, reviews, top 10 lists, and everything in between. Now, last week we looked at some Canadian true crime, and this week we're going to continue our look at true crime. I've been on a bit of a kick lately, so we're going to continue looking at terrible people from throughout history because, well, why not? It's interesting, it's oddly fun, which is a weird way to put it when you're looking at serial killers and mass murderers and terrible, terrible people who should not ever have been born. But the name of today's guy, I guess you could just say guy, is familiar, but not for the reasons you might think. Yes, his last name is Simmons, and part of his name is Gene, and no, Gene Simmons from KISS did not kill a bunch of people that we know of. Cue the X-Files music. No, rather, we're going to talk about Ronald Gene Simmons, who is an Arkansas fella who decided to kill everybody in his family. This is Ronald Gene Simmons. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Over the course of the last however long I've been doing this podcast, too long now, I guess you could say, we've looked at a lot of terrible people and a lot of terrible things. We've looked at demons, and demons really don't hold a candle to some of the people we've looked at, some of the real-life human beings we've taken a look at on this podcast. Last week, we did a two-part series on Robert Picton, and we all know how terrible of an asshole he was. So can we one-up it this week? Can we find somebody worse? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably. Not in terms of sheer numbers, but maybe the victim pool is what separates Ronald Gene Simmons from, well, almost anybody we'll ever look at on this podcast in a true crime sense. Now, Ronald Gene Simmons was born on July 15th, 1940 in Chicago, Illinois. Illinois for the educated, I guess. And he was born to Loretta and William Simmons. On January 31st, 1943, William Simmons died of a stroke. So there goes daddy, right out of the picture right away. Within a year, Simmons' mother married again, this time to William D. Griffin, a civil engineer for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. The Corps moved Griffin to Little Rock in Pulaski County in 1946. The first of several transfers that would take the family across central Arkansas over the next decade. On September 15, 1957, Simmons dropped out of school and joined the U.S. Navy. His first station was Bremerton Naval Base in Washington, where he met Rebecca Becky Ulibarri, whom he later married in New Mexico on July 9, 1960. Over the next 18 years, the couple had several children. In 1963, Simmons left the Navy, and approximately two years later, he joined the Air Force. During his 22-year military career, Simmons was awarded a Bronze Star, the Republic of Vietnam Cross, for his service as an airman, and the Air Force Ribbon for excellent marksmanship. Simmons retired on November 30th, 1979 as the rank of Master Sergeant. Now, we all know it's the military's job to train people to kill. Whatever branch of the military you're thinking of, you are designated to kill somebody at some point in time in your service. It's your job at least part of your job, but maybe they train a little too effectively. Maybe they're a little too efficient, because when Simmons got out 
And when he retired from the military and took up life as a retired military veteran, well, that's when shit started to go bad. And suffice it to say, he put his skills of being a marksman and being somebody trained to kill to good use, in his mind anyway. However, murder wasn't his first run-in with the law. As on April 3rd, 1981, Simmons was being investigated by the Cloudcroft County, New Mexico Department of Human Services for allegations that he had fathered a child with his 17-year-old daughter, Sheila. Yeah. Fearing arrest, Simmons fled to Ward, Lenoke County in 1981 and then to Dover, Pope County in the summer of 1983. The family took up residence on a 13-acre tract of land that would become known as the Mockingbird Hill. The residence was constructed out of two older model mobile homes joined to form one large home and was surrounded by a makeshift property fence as high as 10 feet tall in some places. The home did not have a telephone or indoor plumbing. And remember, this is 1980s, not the 1930s, so that's kind of strange. Simmons worked a string of low-paying jobs in the nearby town of Russellville, Pope County. He quit a position as an accounts receivable clerk at Woodline Motor Freight after numerous reports of inappropriate sexual advances. He went to work at Sinclair Mini Mart for approximately a year and a half before quitting on December 18th, 1987. Evidence indicates that Simmons bludgeoned and shot his wife on December 22nd, 1987. Simmons also bludgeoned and shot his visiting son, 29-year-old Ronald Gene Simmons Jr., and then strangled his three-year-old granddaughter. Now here's the real disturbing part. All three bodies were later found in a pit. Simmons had instructed his own children to dig months before. He had claimed it would be for a third family outhouse. That is all kinds of fucked up. Having your own children dig their very own grave. He claims it was for an outhouse. I think he knew what he was doing all along. Ugh, people, man, people. Now, later on that same day, the Dover school bus dropped off the younger Simmons children for their Christmas break from school. Based on crime scene evidence, it is believed that Simmons's children, aged 17, 14, 11, and 8, were separated and killed individually by strangulation and or drowning in a rain barrel. Their bodies, too, were found in the shallow grave that his own children dug. The older Simmons children had been invited to the Simmons house on December 26th, 1987, for an after-Christmas dinner. 23-year-old William H. Simmons II and his 21-year-old wife, Renata May Simmons, and their 20-month-old son, all of Fort Rice, Dallas County, were likely the first to arrive. William and Renata were shot, and their bodies were left by the dining room table and covered with their own coats and some bedding. The child was then killed and placed into a trunk of a car behind Simmons' house. Next to arrive were Simmons' 24-year-old daughter Sheila and her husband, 33-year-old Dennis Raymond McNulty, as well as her children, 7-year-old Sylvia, the daughter of Sheila and her father, and 21-month-old Michael. Sheila was shot and her body was laid on the dining room table and covered with a tablecloth. Simmons shot Dennis and strangled Sylvia. Michael was strangled and placed into the trunk of yet another car. Later the same day, Simmons drove to Russellville, where he stopped at a Sears store to pick up some Christmas gifts that had been ordered, but had not yet made it in before the holiday. Later that night, he drove to a private club in Russellville. Then he went home and waited out the weekend. On Monday, December 28, 1987, Simmons drove a car that had belonged to his son Ronald Jr. to Russellville. He purchased a second gun from Walmart, and his next stop was the Peel, Eddie, and Gibbons Law Firm, 
After entering the buildings, Simmons shot and killed the receptionist, Kathy Cribbins Hendrick. He next went to the Taylor Oil Company, where he shot and wounded Russell Taylor, the owner of the Sinclair Mini Mart, where he had worked previous. And then he went on to shoot and kill JD, or Jim, Chaffin, a fireman and part-time truck driver for Taylor Oil. Simmons shot at and missed another employee before exiting the building. Simmons then went to the Sinclair Minimar where he shot and wounded Roberta Woolery and David Saylor. His last stop was the Woodline Motor Freight Company. Simmons located his former supervisor, Joyce Butts, and wounded her in the head and chest. He then took worker Vicki Jackson at gunpoint into the computer office and advised her to phone the police. Simmons allegedly told Jackson, and I quote, I've come to do what I want to do. It's all over now. I've gotten everybody who wanted to hurt me. He surrendered to the Russellville police when they arrived. Simmons was sent to the Arkansas State Hospital in Little Rock for a competency evaluation by staff physician Dr. Irving Koo. Koo found that Simmons to be sane and capable of standing trial. Robert E. Irwin and John Harris were appointed by the court to represent Simmons. The prosecuting attorney was John Bynum. Jury selection for the first trial took less than six hours, and Simmons was convicted on May 12, 1988 in the Franklin County Circuit Court for the deaths of Kendrick and Chaffin. On May 16th, Judge John Samuel Peterson sentenced Simmons to death by lethal injection plus 147 years. Simmons refused all rights to appeal. Simmons was eventually found guilty of 14 counts of capital murder in the deaths of his family on February 10, 1989, in the Johnson County Circuit Court, with Judge Patterson presiding. Bynum offered a possible motive when he presented an outdated note that was discovered in a safe deposit box at Russellville Bank after Simmons' arrest. The letter seemed to indicate a strong love-hate relationship between Simmons and his daughter Sheila. After the judge ruled the letter to be inadmissible, Simmons lashed out at Bynum, punching him in the face, and then unsuccessfully struggled for a deputy's handgun. Officers rushed him out of the courtroom in chains. Simmons was, well, sentenced to death by lethal injection on March 16, 1989. Once again, he waived all rights to appeal. A reporter for the KTHV, Ann Jensen, conducted a series of interviews with Simmons in February and March of 1989. On March 1, 1989, Simmons was found competent to waive his rights to appeal his conviction. However, the filing of Whitmore v. Arkansas challenged this right. Reverend Louis Franz and Jonas Whitmore contended that Simmons using his right to refuse appeal in fact jeopardized the appellate rights of other death row inmates. By a 7-2 vote, the Supreme Court justice threw out his appeal. However, the ongoing legal proceedings had prevented the execution of Simmons from being carried out. Simmons was watching television and eating what he thought would be his last meal when the news of his stay of execution was announced. However, on May 31st, 1990, Governor Bill Clinton, yeah, good old Billy boy, signed Simmons' second execution warrant for June 25th, 1990. This was the quickest sentence to execution to death time in the United States history of the death penalty. Well, when it came back in 1976. Simmons refused all visitors, including legal counsel and clergy. His last words were, quote, Justice delayed finally be done is justifiable homicide. No family members claimed the body, so Simmons was buried in a pauper's plot in Lincoln Memorial Lawn in Varner, 
Lincoln County. It's people like Mr. Simmons here who really make you think. Was he trying to play victim in the end? What did that letter finally say about his relationship with his daughter, Sheila? Now, we all know they had an incestuous relationship, one that Sheila probably had no say in, yet he kind of blames her and his love-hate relationship with her, which is also kind of tricky when you think about it because he brought that all on himself. How do you essentially rape your very own child and then go on having her over for Christmas only to kill her, her husband, who I don't know if he even knew about the incestuous relationship, and then his own daughter from his daughter. It's very strange. I think more time was needed to study this case. Yes, he probably deserved to die. I'm not an advocate for the death penalty, but that's the law in Arkansas, and so that was what was carried out. I can't complain about that, but maybe it didn't have to be so fast. Now, he refused all visitors, but maybe that would have changed over time. Sure, keeping people on death row is a very expensive endeavor, I get that. But it could have been useful to find out what he wanted to do after the deaths. Why he wanted to carry out the deaths. Was it simply revenge? That seems like a long way to go, because you got fired. Shooting somebody in the face doesn't seem like a proper response to being fired. I've been fired. I haven't gone and shot my boss in the face. But then again, maybe he wasn't all mentally there, despite what the doctors said. All of this is, of course, speculation and opinion. I can't say for certain either way what he was thinking, why he did it, and what he wanted to accomplish. It just is depressing that there are a lot of people out there like Mr. Simmons, who will just kill for the sake of killing, and then masking it in some sort of weird revenge plot, like he was the victim and he had to write his own justice. It's all very ridiculous because his children, his children, teenagers, adolescents, wronged him somehow, and they deserve to die after digging their own fucking grave. Yeah, yeah, we can't forget that little aspect of this case, can we? All of this screams premeditation. And after all, this isn't classified as a serial murder, as it all took place in a very short period of time, classifying it as a mass murder. Nevertheless, many lives were taken. At the end of all this, he killed 16 people over a week-long period in Arkansas in 1987. He was finally executed, as we said earlier, on June 25th, 1990. I'm looking at a picture of him right now, and he does scream a little bit Charlie Manson vibes to me. He has those same eyes, those crazy, sort of lifeless, beady, inhuman eyes. But that's going to do it for me this week. If you like what you heard, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Any five-star review will be read out on the show, so it's a great way to get a shout-out if that's something you want. You can also follow along on Twitter at HorrorShotsProd, as in production, or on Instagram at OminousOriginsPod, or on Facebook at HorrorShots, where you can leave comments and discuss whatever you want about any episodes that we've talked about. Feel free. It's an open forum. So until next week, just remember, stay safe and happy holidays, because that's coming up too. I almost forgot. But we should get another episode or two in before the big 2-5. Anyway, until next time.